Getting a good night's sleep can be much easier said than done. But don't worry, because our good friends at CBDMD have exactly what you need to get the sleep that you deserve. CBD PM blends melatonin and other sleep-promoting ingredients with 500 milligrams of high-quality CBD to create a powerful and effective sleep aid. And to make it even easier to get the year started off right, they're offering all of our listeners 25% off your very next order when you use promo code MBA at checkout. So once again, that's CBDMD.com, promo code MBA for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD products from CBDMD. This is Mission Control Houston. Ignition sequence start. The reason I'm prepared for this position is because I've been preparing for this all my life. Our goal is to compete and, and really put a fun team on the court that really gets after it. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. We're very talented. I mean, we go out there and compete at a high level and give a lot of effort. We can be a good team. Six, five, four, three, two, one. Zero. Guess who's back? Back, back, back again. Shady's back. Tell a friend. Guess who's back? Guess who's back? Guess who's back? Guess who's back? We are back after a brutal week. What is up? And welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every single day. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian covering the Rockets for ESPN 97.5 and partner at Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin, the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, at ESPN 975 and at Apollo HOU. Man, it has been a minute. And so first off, I would like to just jump out right out of the gate and say, look, you know, if you are dealing with this winter storm, please, I hope that you are safe, that you have that you are warm, that you have some level of power and water access, because I went uh, I went almost 40 hours with uh, with no power, no water. And still don't have water, so I, I, I'm, I would kill for a shower, man. But, um, you know, and I know some people have had it way, way worse. There are millions of Houstonians, Texans displaced because of winter storm Yuri, and it, is, uh, it has been a, a nightmare scenario. So from me to you, I hope that you are safe, that you are warm, and we will get through this. We will. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll provide some updates uh, about what John Wall is doing and what we here at Locked on Rockets are trying to do to uh, assist those in desperate need uh, with what's going on because of this ridiculous winter storm and how unprepared Texas was. So, but uh, let's, we're going to hit on some, we've got some quick hitting updates about the Rockets. I do want to talk a little bit about the 76ers game. Uh, This isn't going to be a traditional, like, recap of sorts. I won't spend the entire episode uh, focused on the 76ers game, especially because, let's face it, that first half was quite a dumpster fire. Um, So, talking about the first half of that game would just be an unpleasant experience for you, for me, for all parties involved. Uh, But I do want to talk about that second half, and specifically John Wall, his push. uh, Really, really crazy second half from him. So, we'll focus on that in the second segment. Uh, And then third segment, I want to kind of step... Uh, further out and kind of look like bird's eye view at this stretch of the Rockets season 
uh, leading into the All-Star break and the next seven or so games that they have, maybe seven games, and I guess that's as good a place to start as any, is the fact that the Rockets-Mavericks game postponed uh, for obvious reasons here in Houston due to the inclement weather conditions and the fact that so many people still don't have power and just everything going on. So Rockets-Mavericks Friday night postponed. Uh, Rockets-Pacers, which was supposed to be the second night of a back-to-back also here in Houston, uh, has also been, not postponed, but it's it's tentative right now. Uh, and that is per Mayor Sylvester Turner, uh, his office reporting that the Rockets organization and the NBA, they're still tentative on whether or not that game is going to be played. So uh, we'll find out sometime soon as to whether or not that game is going to happen. But as of right now, that game is a very big maybe as well. So that would be, if they do play that game, the Rockets have seven games left uh, before the All-Star break. Uh, If they do not play that game with the Mavericks and potentially the Pacers game being rescheduled, they will only have six more games uh, left to be played before the All-Star break, which is uh, a great opportunity because, hey, they're six games under 500. So maybe they can uh, make make a little bit of money back uh, on this little portion of the schedule. But we'll talk about that in segment three. So a couple quick-hitting uh, news news bits with the Rockets. Um, so they we do know that Christian Wood has said via his Instagram uh, he received a pair of, I guess, custom Christian Wood socks, and his caption basically confirmed that he was going to be back uh, before the All-Star break, which is a huge... Uh, it just a, a great sign for this Rockets team because this team has been completely different without Christian Wood. And I know that some people are sick of hearing that this team, you know, that, that that's why they've been losing all these games. But there's a, there's another kind of angle that I want to take from that uh, in segment three about what Christian Wood brings and kind of a, a larger scope, a bigger issue problem for this team moving forward and how he addresses one of those issues. But... Uh, you know, the fact that they'll be able to get him back uh, before the All-Star break. Now, it depends, you know, when he comes back. Is he coming back? Is he going to have time for three games, four games, all six of those games? That 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 much is very TBD. Um, but just the fact that he confirmed via his Instagram that he'll be back before the All-Star break, that's a great sign. Um, we've seen him, you know, traveling with the team, moving around without the boot. So hopefully they just, you know, hook him up, Tony Nyla, with a pair of uh, high-top sneakers for him so that he can stop rolling his ankle um, and hopefully they can get back on track sooner rather than later with Christian Wood back in the lineup. Now, because they still don't have Christian Wood, the Rockets did go out and nab another G League prospect, a big man, Justin Patton, uh, signing with the Rockets. Now, obviously, the Ray Spaulding situation did not work out. Wish uh, Spaulding all the best in his recovery with the Achilles injury. That's just really tough break for the big guy. Um you know, to finally get called up to the NBA level, have a chance, and to then suffer an Achilles injury. It's just just is tough. Um, but this guy, Justin Patton, that they're bringing up, um, he's another G League big man, uh, you know, young, 23 years old, uh, not putting up quite uh, as flashy, uh, you know, numbers-wise as Ray Spaulding was with the Rio Grande Valley Vipers. Um so Patton's just averaging 8.3 points, 5.3 rebounds, 1.7 blocks in about 19 minutes per game. And he was playing with the uh, the Westchester Knicks, so the G League team of the New York Knicks. And 
so they decided to bring him up, and I, I went and looked at some of his uh, some of his highlight clips, and my first impressions from him are he looks like he moves a little bit better than Ray Spaulding does. Um, the one thing about Ray Spaulding that I had some reservations about is he looks a little slow at, at only 6'11". Like, he just... I say only 6'11", like I'm not 6 feet tall. <laughs> um... At, at 6'11", though, he he looked like a big 6'11". Like, he just wasn't moving super well, whereas Patton seems to be a little bit more agile, quicker on his feet, um, and seems to move around the court a little bit better as far as, like, setting screens and then quickly rolling to the rim. Uh, very, very Clint Capella-esque in his build and how he moves on the court, but the one takeaway that I had was he's actually got what appears to be some semblance of an outside shot. Um, I crunched the numbers. It was like, I think he was like 32. What was it? I didn't write it down. I'm the worst. Um, he was like 32 of 118 from behind the arc for a little over 32% uh, during the 2019-2020 G League campaign in which he played for three different G League uh, teams. And so that provides a little bit of optimism in the sense that maybe the Rockets don't just have uh, a guy who is only capable of rim running uh, in the, you know, in the short span that they'll continue to be without Christian Wood. Maybe he's a guy that has an outside shot. And hey, he's young too. He's 23. And there's a chance that maybe the Rockets see something in him. Maybe the scouting department has realized that, you know, this guy could be somebody that could work out for them uh, long term. I'm not saying that he's going to be you know, a, a qual an immediate quality rotation player. But at the end of the day, the Rockets are in this predicament where hindsight being 2020, absolutely. They should have gone out and just signed or, or, you know, cut, you know, cut Kuroks or traded him or, you know, done something to open up a roster spot to go out and sign a, you know, qualified veteran big, uh, to help kind of anchor the fort in the absence of Christian Wood. But the problem with that, right, is if they had gone out and done that, then that player would have to get, you know, indoctrinated into the COVID testing protocol. It would take them, you know, seven to 10 days to get, you know, involved in team activities and then get them up to speed and all that stuff. So they opted for Ray Spaulding, the G League player, because he's already in the COVID protocol. Then he got injured. So now they're going for another G League guy in Justin Patton. So... I'm not expecting Patton to, you know, fix all of the Rockets' problems, but very similarly to Ray Spaulding, when Spaulding was out there in his very brief stint with the Rockets, they he gives them another look offensively because he is a big that is capable of actually rolling hard to the rim, and that's not something that Cousins has in his bag currently as the uh, you know, the guy holding down the fort in Christian Wood's absence. So hopefully Justin Patton can come in and have some semblance of success. Uh, with this Rockets team in, you know, some limited minutes backing up DeMarcus Cousins while they're waiting for Christian Wood to get back into the lineup 100% healthy. So coming up, I do want to talk about the 76ers game. Also want to talk about what John Wall and what we here at Locked on Rockets are trying to do to help out with what's going on uh, in Houston right now. The dire circumstances for, for you know, just countless people here in Houston and, and in the state of Texas and what what all has been going on. And we'll get there in just a quick moment after a message from our friends over at betonline.ag. 
BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA basketball, college basketball, and NHL are all in full swing. And speaking of full swing, MLB is right around the corner as well. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. You can get real-time updated odds and props on almost anything that you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It is the best way to place your bets, and it's 100% free to sign up. You can head over to their website, Bet online.ag and sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus with promo code locked on on your very first deposit. So again, that's promo code locked on L O C K E D O N for a 50% welcome bonus with your very first deposit bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every single day. So just leading off really quick, John Wall, who is already right, like I've fallen in love with him already. I'm sure you have too. Um, He's, you know, and he, one of the things that he was known for, you know, for the better part of a decade in D.C. is he did so much amazing work for the community there. And he is uh, continuing that trend here in Houston uh, as he he took to his Instagram story and was trying to find a way to help feed uh, three to five hundred Houston families, uh, those that were uh, sheltering at Gallery Furniture, courtesy of Mattress Mac. And so John Wall took to his Instagram. He had tons of people reach out to him and he was able to find uh, a restaurant to be able to help uh, facilitate the, those meals for those in need. So just shout out John Wall for, you know, getting traded, you know, at almost last minute to the Rockets and, you know, really just making himself a part of this city, a part of this community, embracing his role on this team. And it's just great to see. It's great to see somebody who, uh, let's, uh, let's take some John Wall words. It's great to see somebody who wants to be here. Now, that's not to say that, look, James Harden did amazing things for this Houston Rockets community. I'm not throwing shade like that. Uh, but it's just, again, it's great to see in times of need when these, uh, you know, celebrities, these athletes, you know, step up to the plate and they help, they help out, you know, they help the little guy and it's great to see. So I appreciate John Wall for that. And what we here at Locked on Rockets are doing, if you haven't already seen on social media, uh, I went ahead and put a video out there and I am currently collecting donations on behalf of the Houston Food Bank to donate as all one lump sum to the Houston Food Bank to help those in desperate need. The food bank provides food and essential supplies to families you, you know, utilizing uh, a, a partnership of over 1,500 different community partners in the greater Houston region to uh, provide, again, help to those who desperately need it. And we have already surprisingly in, in just over five hours after I originally posted the video asking for donations, uh, the first of which I'm putting up, I put up $100 of my own money. Um, we hit $1,000 or over $1,000 in just over five hours in donations. So if you feel inclined to do so, one, you can also just donate directly to the Houston Food Bank. That is another great alternative. Um, but if you'd rather the ease of access of just pulling out your cash app and donating directly to the Locked on Rockets Houston Food Bank Fund, uh, that works as well. I will provide a link to the tweet in the de- in the description of this podcast. Uh, so if you would like to donate to that, I would, hi- I would definitely encourage it if you're capable of doing so. If not... 
Uh, I would sincerely appreciate anybody sharing that information on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, wherever you can share it to try and get uh, as many eyes on it as possible. We've already gotten a really, really stupendous return on it so far. Just trying to use this this platform that I have, you know, to help out in whatever way that I can. Because again, if you've listened to this podcast with any regularity, you know that I'm Houston to the bone, Houston through and through. And to see, you know, my brothers and sisters in this city hurting and, you know, struggling the way that we have over this past week uh, because of this winter storm, it's been rough. So, you know, just doing my part, trying to help out wherever I can uh, and whatever we get up to dollar wise, uh, you know, it's 100% of those proceeds are going to go directly to the Houston food bank. Uh, I'll look to probably deposit those on Monday or Tuesday of this upcoming week. So I'm going to keep this campaign rolling through, uh, through the weekend. Uh, definitely. So definitely, please check that out. If you can donate, please do that. If you can't donate, uh, please share the campaign to, to hopefully get as many eyes on it as possible. Now, now that we've gotten that stuff, now that we've addressed those things, uh, let's get back into the basketball of all this. And uh, I want to focus on the the 76ers game here. And just to, I mean, obviously it, this this game was, was a very, very ugly first half. Um, just too many turnovers, couldn't hit shots. Um, you know, Rockets just really felt like they came out super duper flat. And that's that's been an, an ongoing trend with this team, right? Is these they fall into these these lulls offensively where it feels like their offense doesn't get going, and then because of that, then they start slacking on defense and and all this stuff. And I made the claim that you know this is a team that really needs their offense to kind of generate the the intensity for their defense, which is kind of you know flipped from how it normally is how defense creates offense. Um, but I really feel like that's kind of the issue with this team. But then that second half started, and and John Wall had just a phenomenal second half of basketball in this game. Uh, you know, first half he only scored two points. Uh, you know, how many assists did he even had have in the first half? Um, first half he had he had just two points. He had five turnovers, uh, just one assist, one rebound, one of six shooting. Didn't hit a single three pointer. Just a really really rough half. From John Wall, and then he comes out in the second half and goes ten of eighteen from the floor, two of five from behind the arc, four of five at the charity stripe, has twenty six points, six assists, two steals, a block, only a couple of turnovers, just completely turned his game around in that second half, and very much spearheaded that run by the Rockets to to get this game within you know, a two possession span after trailing by as many as 29 points in this game for this team to find a way to fight back in the second half. And the best part was, is it wasn't just a one man show in John Wall. Obviously he spearheaded it and he had some really, really great drives in this game. It felt like he was being aggressive. Uh, he, he was finishing very well at the rim. Uh, and, you know, in a, on a night where he was struggling to hit the three ball until he hit the, that pair of three pointers uh, late in the fourth. You know, that's what you like to see out of John Wall is finding ways to be effective at the rim or, you know, 
slightly less effective, but from the mid-range if he can't get the outside shot going, and he was absolutely doing that in this one. But then he also had other guys step up with him in that second half. Jay Sean Tate had a big second half with 12 points. Uh, ben McLemore and David Nwaba both kind of stepped up in the second half, combining for 14 points apiece, or not 14 points apiece, but 14 points total, I should say, 7 points apiece. Um, really just down the line, getting a lot of help uh, from from everybody on the roster. DeMarcus Cousins had uh, nine points in the second half on three of four shooting, two of three from behind the arc. Didn't hit a single three in the first half. So the team, you know, whatever whatever was in the uh, in the Gatorade at halftime or whatever was said in the locker room at halftime, they came back out with the proper energy and they they really took it to the 76ers who, let's face it, they the 76ers probably got a little complacent at halftime in this game, leading by so much and, you know, kind of thinking that they were just going to be able to uh, cruise control to the win in this game over the Rockets. Um, And look, the Rockets had a few chances to really win this game. I mean, when they were down... 110-105 and the 76ers turned that ball over on the inbounds. Eric Gordon teed up a you know a perfect three-pointer and had he hit that and cut it down to a two-point game, a one-possession game, this, you know, we could be we could very well be talking about a win right now. And I think that's the tough break for this Rockets team is they have been so undermanned, so understaffed with you know, missing obviously Christian Wood is the big one, but you know, missing Oladipo for certain stretch for stretches, missing John Wall, missing Eric Gordon, now missing PJ Tucker in this game. Daniel House Jr. having to sit with you know the what was it? I think it was an ankle that he that he rolled or something. Uh, you know, it, it was just it, it's been kind of a mess for this team injury wise, and unfortunately. Injuries are very much a part of NBA day-to-day, and it's tough when you're dealing with this many of them all at once. But there's also a takeaway that I have that I want to talk about in the in the third segment. I think that's kind of the bigger problem to address with this team because we see obviously missing Christian Wood that they that they have a lack of size. But even like even in this game where the 76ers were trotting out Joel Embiid and Dwight Howard, it didn't necessarily feel like either of them I mean Embiid is just Embiid he's gonna dominate against whoever right you know he's going to put up a a big night whether you've got Christian Wood out there or not I would have preferred to see the Rockets utilize a little bit more double teaming on, on on Joel Embiid kind of forcing the ball out of his hands a bit more but even even when you do that Joel Embiid is a very willing passer and he reads the floor really well so you know as a big I mean he had in this game, Embiid's stat line is just ridiculous. He had 31 points on 10 of 21 shooting, uh, 11 rebounds, 9 assists, 2 steals, a block. He did have 6 turnovers, um, but he had himself a monster game. He's having an MVP caliber season this year. So for Embiid, I mean, there's when it comes to the great players in this game, right, it's it's tough to truly, truly stop them. Um, you can only hope to either, you know, force the ball out of their hands or make life as difficult as possible for them. And I don't necessarily think that, you know, the absence of Christian Wood is why Embiid feasted in this game. He's just going to feast against whoever. Um, but I'll, I'll go down my, my other my other point that I wanted to make, uh, kind of my, my overarching my overarching point about this team uh, in the in the third segment, but I'm trying to make sure. Well, I had one more point that I wanted to get on. Oh, uh, David Nwaba and Jay Shante. Um, looking at and I mean, this is an area where 
the Rockets right now, because of the absence of Christian Wood, are being forced to play small uh, with more regularity than they'd probably like to, unfortunately. And because of that, right, they're getting out-rebounded on the regular. In this game, they were out-rebounded 47-39. to um, But it's great to see that the Rockets are still crashing the offensive glass and getting multiple second and third shot opportunities. And that is consistently because of that duo of David Nwaba and Jay Sean Tate, who crashed the offensive glass with so much force. And, and David Nwaba specifically, but I mean both of them. They're both great rebounders for their size. I mean, and to have that luxury at the wing, to have two uber-athletic wing players who can rebound the ball and defend at the level that they do. Um, you know, the one the one area of their game that has been the sore spot has been their inconsistency from behind the arc. Unfortunately, both of those guys shooting below league average from behind the three-point line. But in this game, they both, they combined for six of the Rockets' uh, nine offensive rebounds. Nice. And they're just, they're those irritants, right? They, they provide secondary opportunities for this team and for a team that has struggled mightily during this seven-game losing streak offensively and without Christian Wood, um, those secondary opportunities, those chances to reset and to get another good look off, those are golden opportunities to try and, you know, get a better a better quality look or to get, you know, sometimes in certain circumstances um, to give a shooter the opportunity to reset in the exact same spot and get a second look at that three-pointer if it didn't go in the first time or a second look, you know, just, and those are some of the best shots to take off of an offensive rebound, a three-pointer off of an offensive tap-out or a rebound uh, off of a reset, that kind of thing. So just wanted to highlight them and the fact that, again, those guys, um, you know, it feels like they're, you know, consistently having solid, solid games where you just look down their stat line, like Jay Sean Tate, 19 points, six boards, four assists, three steals, seven of 11 shooting, one of three from behind the arc. He just continues to really, really impress as a rookie in in, in this rookie campaign of his. And then David Nwaba, seven points on three of seven shooting, uh, one of two from behind the arc, had 10 rebounds in the game. So he had the three offensive boards, yeah, but he also had seven defensive rebounds. Uh, and he also had one, or actually a, a pair of, of blocks in this game, but one of them just super aggressive, like his weak side shot blocking capability, but also his like recovery on drives if he gets beat to the rim. He doesn't give up on plays. You know, he just plays with 110% energy every moment that he's out there on the court. And I'm really happy that the Rockets have really found that role for him in the bench unit. And again, in some of the games where they've been extra short-staffed and he's had to start, um, like against the Wizards, those games feel extra bad because then you don't get that juice. You don't get that kind of like energizer bunny energy off the bench from David Nwaba, unfortunately. So just wanted to highlight those two guys. Um, coming up, I do want to get into my uh, my big, uh, you know, wh- which way, which need is more dire for the Rockets team right now. Uh, and we'll get there in just a quick moment after a message from our friends over at Built Bar. Tell you what, I am glad that I restocked on my built bars heading to this uh, ridiculous winter storm that we were dealing with because they definitely helped get me through this stretch uh, with no power, no electricity, uh, no water. Uh, it's, it's been a burden, but uh, these built bars are awesome, you know, and, and I've been enjoying them even, even when uh, situations aren't as dire as this, thankfully. 
I've got so many amazing flavors. Uh, they've got the original ones. Uh, my old favorite, the the double chocolate one. You just can't go wrong with it. But now I'm I'm partial to the uh, coconut brownie chunk, which is incredible. They've got other ones: German chocolate, raspberry, apple almond crisp. You name it, they've probably got it. Um, and the thing about these bars, right, is they're they're not traditional protein bars. They're not gritty. They're not chalky. They're delicious. They're covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft, easy to chew. Every bar is low cal, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. They're amazing for a keto diet. And you can check them out. Just go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on, and you'll get 20% off your very next order. So again, that's promo code locked on L O C K E D O N for 20% off at builtbar.com. And final segment here at Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day. So the big point that I kind of like was looking at and, you know, it's basically I'm at this point where I don't necessarily think that size is the issue for this Rockets team. Like, you know, basically there have been you know, segments of Rockets Twitter clamoring for, you know, they they want a legitimate big. They're like, oh, why don't you sign Dwayne Dedman? And why haven't they gone out and gotten a legitimate backup for Christian Wood or or a replacement to, to help hold down the fort while he's gone? And in my mind, my argument is, why would they want to go out and spend assets uh, to acquire somebody who realistically is going to get very limited minutes uh, when Christian Wood is back. Because ultimately, DeMarcus Cousins isn't going anywhere. The team guaranteed his contract for the rest of the season. They had uh, up until February 28th, I believe, to do so. And they've gone ahead and, uh, or 27th maybe? They had, a, they had uh, you know, a little bit of time before the guarantee date. But they went ahead and guaranteed his contract for the rest of the year. So Cousins isn't going anywhere. Now... As far as the dynamic for this team goes, you know, it'd be nice if they did have a backup, you know, big to Christian Wood who can who could continue kind of playing the similar style that Christian Wood does with both the rim running as well as the outside play. Um, but I genuinely think that this team's biggest issue right now is they just have been in such a shooting rut that even when they're generating good offensive possessions, they're just not converting on these shots. And that's the painful thing. And it just seems like everybody all at once has been in a shooting rut, has been in a shooting slump. And it sucks to be missing Christian Wood, who has been to this point in the season, the Rockets' best three-point shooter. And so I pulled it up. I wanted to look at the numbers. During the Rockets' streak, where they were 7-1, and one, uh, the the eight game streak where they only had that one loss against the Thunder, they were shooting behind the arc thirty eight point two percent, which is unbelievably good. And then during the seven game losing streak, they're down to a lowly twenty seven point five percent from behind the arc. So for a team that doesn't utilize the mid range at all and focuses on shots in the paint at the rim and behind the arc, shooting twenty seven and a half percent is not a recipe for success. It's just not. And so missing your best three-point shooter in Christian Wood is going to have adverse side effects in that. So not only are they missing the kind of the dynamic offense, the layered offense that they get, the pick and roll, you know, the rim running, all of that, they're missing their best outside shot. Because the Rockets' three-point shooting breaks down as such. They've got three guys shooting over 40%. Christian Wood at 42.1, Mason Jones at 41.5, and Sterling Brown at 40.8%. Now, the problem is Mason Jones doesn't get enough regular run and 
can't create his own looks enough. So I'm going to go ahead and axe him off of that list as far as being, you know, valuable. So realistically, the Rockets only have two players shooting above 40% getting consistent minutes. One of them's their best player, and he's out, and that's Christian Wood. Then they've got John Wall and Eric Gordon shooting a respectable percentage from behind the arc at 35.1% apiece, which is great to see. It's great to see Eric Gordon shooting a respectable percentage from behind the arc, and it's great to see John Wall shooting, you know, one of the best, you know, some of the best numbers in his career from behind the arc. So that's been awesome. Then you go a little bit further down the list. Ben McLemore, who is supposed to be an elite three-point shooter, and that's what he's supposed to bring to the table, is down to 33.7%. Cousins is down at 33.6%. Tucker's down to 32.9%. Jay Sean Tate's at 32.8%. And then we start getting into the sub-30s. Oladipo, House, Nwaba. So when you've got a team of guys who are prioritizing the three-ball as much as this team is and has been forced to prioritize the three-ball even more in the absence of Christian Wood because they don't have the inside game and they don't have the pick and roll game that they do with Christian Wood. And then you couple that with the fact that they've been on a downtrend shooting the ball. This is what you get. You get a seven game losing streak. So to me, the Rockets need to find a way to, you know, I can't just say figure out the three point shot. It'd be nice to have a couple of these guys get out of their shooting slump. So like that's, you know, fix that number one. But if they're going to make a move at the deadline, which, again, I've already been on the record as saying I am 100% on board with moving on from Victor Oladipo and P.J. Tucker, I would like to see them bring in a guy who is a certified scorer. Because at this point, looking at the regular Rockets lineup, I think that when you look at a lineup in an NBA, in an, for, for an NBA five-man lineup, reasonably you can mask one player who is a defensive liability as long as the four other guys that are sharing the court with said player for the majority of his minutes uh, are plus defenders. And so if the team is able to package Victor Oladipo, P.J. Tucker, and bring back you know some type of a, uh, a, a certified bucket getter, and you know the name the name that's been really popular amongst Rockets Twitter and somebody that the team has had their eyes on or I don't want to say the team has had their eyes on but somebody that people have had their eyes on for the Rockets uh, is Zach Levine right and if the Bulls are willing to move on from Zach Levine if the Rockets are able to uh, craft a package whether it be a you know just a, a direct you know Bulls Rockets trade or some type of a three team permutation where Victor Oladipo goes to a third team like the Nuggets or the Heat or something to that effect. Um, if they're able to craft a trade like that and bring back Zach Levine, I genuinely think that this Rockets lineup can mask the defensive issues that he has. And I do think that some of his defensive issues have been largely overblown. They usually are. When people highlight defensive issues for a player, you know, sometimes they they act like that player is the worst defender they've ever seen in their entire lives. And I don't think that's the case with Zach Levine. I think he needs some work defensively, absolutely. Um, and he would absolutely be the weak link in any lineup that the Rockets throw out defensively, minus DeMarcus Cousins. But as long as the four other guys surrounding a player like that are plus defenders, then I think you get away with it. And the bonuses that you get offensively to having somebody like that, uh, who is a certified bucket getter, who is a phenomenal shooter, uh, who you can kind of run the offense through for certain stretches, it's, I think the the pros far outweigh the negatives or the cons in this situation. Because imagine a starting lineup of, say, John Wall, Zach Levine, Jay Sean Tate, Daniel House Jr., and 
Christian Wood. You know, give give me a, a five man lineup of that in some capacity, some shape or form. And that's a lineup where you've got four plus defenders out there because we're at this point where Christian Wood is absolutely a plus defender. He's become a great rim deterrent. He's been a solid anchor for this team defensively. He's picked it up on that end of the court exponentially from where he started the season at. So you give me a lineup of those five guys, and I think Zach Levine answers and solves a lot of the offensive woes that this team has been facing. And then you give me, uh, you know, Zach Levine and Christian Wood in a pick and roll, and those two are going to dominate and could dominate for years. And Zach Levine fits the youth movement of this team. So I guess I say that to kind of point out that, you know, people have been clamoring for a backup for Christian Wood or, or why haven't the Rockets made a move for another big. And I guess I'm just, I don't think they value or see it necessary to burn assets to try and bring somebody in or to even get to a point where they would have to cut somebody on the current roster and, and just eat their salary for the season. Uh, like, again, everybody's you know pointing at Kurok's. Why are they still holding on to him? Well, if they waive him, they've got to eat his salary for, for, the, you know, for, the, for the foreseeable future. And that's not something this team is willing to do right now. So I, I don't blame them for not wanting to make a rash decision to try and Band-Aid fix this situation uh, I, I do think that they should have probably made a move on a G League guy a little bit sooner than they did. But ultimately, this team needs to just figure out their shooting. Because offensively, they do a good job of getting quality shots. When they're moving the ball, when they've when they've looked their best, they do a good job of generating the right looks for the team. They're just not converting on them. And again, it gets really close to the whole territory of we got the shots we wanted, but it feels a little bit more dynamic this time around because it's not just the James Harden isolation fest, you know, create a, you know, uh, a drive and kick opportunity. And then off one pass, it's just, you know, James Harden ISO drive, kick, shot, miss, done, right? There's a little bit more ball movement involved. There's a little bit more cutting involved. There's a little bit more uh, of a team oriented feel. And I think that kind of team oriented aspect where everybody feels much more involved in the offense is what leads to this team's prowess defensively where everybody feels involved everybody feels a part of the common goal on offense rather than just being forced to stand around and wait for a pass from James Harden and there's probably going to be some people who take exception to that dynamic but uh or to the way that I've uh you know kind of boiled down what the Rockets offense had become over the last couple years but that's the problem is, you know, to play alongside a star like a James Harden or like a Luka Doncic or like a LeBron James, you have to be willing to sacrifice and play a certain way. And that style isn't for everybody. And so there's a very real kind of phenomena, I guess, where there's players that absolutely, I would imagine, play worse when they play alongside a star where their only job is to stand there on the three-point line and hit threes, and then they're expected to bust their ass defensively for the entire 48 minutes and have to you know, work tirelessly on that side of the basketball, and then on offense, all they get to do is stand around and, and you know, fire up three-pointers. Now, there's some players who absolutely love that, right? Case in point, P.J. Tucker. But then there's other guys that I'm sure would not have thrived in that type of environment. Again, a Jay Sean Tate type, you know, somebody who isn't a a you know certified three point threat and who absolutely um, has shown flashes with the ball in his hands and probably wouldn't be getting these these kinds of opportunities if he was on a team with James Harden, right? And so I think that's you know where I'm at with this team is 
They need to figure out a situation where they can get some reliable three-point shooters, some more consistent three-point shooters uh, to get this offense humming along. And then obviously getting Christian Wood back, uh, you know, who is averaging 4.5 three-point attempts per game and, again, connecting on 42% of them, that's a big part of their offense that's just missing. And getting him back is going to kind of right the ship a little bit offensively, but getting these other guys out of their shooting slumps and moving on from P.J. Tucker and Victor Oladipo and bringing in somebody who is, you know, at least give me just somebody league average from behind the three-point line to throw on the wing alongside the rest of this team and somebody who can play, you know, you know, not elite levels of defense, but is at least a plus defender on that side of the basketball court. And this team still has an opportunity to make some serious noise in the West. Like they really do because again, they're six games under 500, but even though they're six games under 500, where did their record go? Why is, why is this not pulled up? There it is. That's the one that I wanted anyways. So they're six games under 500, right? 11 and 17 now in the season they're only four games back in the loss column of the eighth seed. So, you know, it's it's this situation where they've got so much more of the regular season to play, and over this next stretch of, of games where they, uh, they've got essentially, you know, seven, maybe six games left to play before the All-Star break, depending on what happens Saturday night with the Pacers game, if they can just go, say, three and three over that stretch or possibly even, you know, four and three, if they do play seven games, then this team is not that far off from the playoff picture. And the fact that Christian Wood kind of guaranteed via his Instagram that he'll be back before the all-star break, even like just looking at these games, the most important one there, just from a chemistry standpoint, from a, um, from a feel of the franchise standpoint, if they somehow upset the Brooklyn Nets in James Harden's return to Houston on March 3rd, that game is absolutely circled on everybody's calendar and everybody's going to show up for that game. And if they can win that game, the last game before the All-Star break, then regardless of all the mess that has taken place before that one game, that would be a hell of a note to end on to then go into the All-Star break to have that week off from play to to get healthy, to get right, to get some practices in, whatever, and then to come back and really hit the ground running in the second half of the season. That would be the the total momentum builder that this team could utilize to then springboard themselves into the playoff race in the second half of the season. So I've got that game circled, obviously because it's James Harden's return game, but just you know, from a from a ten thousand foot view on the season, if they can go again even three and three or four and three over this next stretch of seven games and take that one specifically, I don't care about the other ones. I don't care which one which of those games they win or lose as long as they take come away with a handful of wins because again they are you know, a lot lower in the in the in the standings than we'd like them to be at this point. But if they win that Brooklyn game, that could be a a bigger game in the in the big picture, big, you know, grand scheme of things. That game could mean a lot to this team who's still trying to kind of find their identity, figure out if they're a team that's going to be, you know, competing for a playoff spot this season, or if they're going to be uh sellers at the trade deadline and and move on from guys like Eric Gordon, like PJ Tucker, like Victor Oladipo. Um, or if they're going to try and maybe bolster the lineup a little bit and really make a, a, a conscious push for the playoffs this season. So that's those are my kind of 
miscellaneous thoughts. Uh, this episode a little bit all over the place just because I haven't been able to do an episode uh, <laughs> because of the whole winter storm situation. Uh, so I'm a little off my rhythm too, a little bit. So I hope this uh, episode wasn't too, too ca- scatterbrained, uh, all things considered. But uh, I do wish you the best uh, if you're in Houston, if you're in the great state of Texas, and if you're struggling, if you're you know still waiting on power or water to be returned to you, I hope it comes back soon. Um, I hope you're doing well. I hope you're staying warm and staying safe. And above all else, I hope you're staying Houston strong. But for today's episode, that's going to do it. As always, thank you so much for listening. We look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.